Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 16th of October. And on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1930. We travel to Western Supermare in England, where John Polkinghorne was born. He would become the Professor of Theoretical Physics at the University of Cambridge until 1979, when he resigned the prestigious position to pursue theological studies. And he entered the Anglican priesthood in 1982. An elegant and prolific writer, he authored over 30 books exploring the relationship between the discoveries of modern physics and the doctrines of his Christian faith. He would promote theology as a complement to natural science and would often talk of a binocular vision of the truth. The two forms of inquiry view reality from different perspectives. Science studies the processes of the world, while religion is concerned with the deeper issues of whether there is a divine meaning and a purpose behind what is going on. I believe that I need the binocular approach of science and religion if I am to do any sort of justice to the deep and rich reality of the world in which we live. Polkinghorne's career in theoretical physics had been very successful. He entered Trinity College on a major scholarship in 1949, a year after national service. In his third year, he specialised in quantum mechanics, and his PhD was completed in 1955, the same year in which he was elected to a fellowship at Trinity. A Harkness Fellowship at Caltech, was then followed by a lectureship in theoretical physics at Edinburgh, and he returned to Cambridge as a lecturer, and then was offered a professorship in 1968. Polkinghorne received an additional doctorate in theoretical elementary particle physics from Trinity College in 1974, and he played a role in the discovery of the quark, the smallest elementary particle of matter. His creation of mathematical models to calculate the paths of quantum particles was recognised that year with his election as a fellow of the Royal Society. And five years later, Polkinghorne concluded that his research had come to an end. To the surprise of many colleagues, he resigned his post at the age of 48 and he began theological studies at Westcott House in Cambridge. And after his ordination, he went on to serve as a curate in a working-class parish. When he resigned from his position in physics and commenced training for the Anglican ministry, this caused a stir, as it was highly unusual, as since the Enlightenment, at least from a superficial perspective, it seemed as though the worlds of religion and science had drifted apart. However, Polkinghorne made it clear that it was not because he had become disillusioned with professional science. It was, in part, as he half-jokingly remarked, that most people do their best work in mathematics before the age of 45. More important was a sense that Christianity has always been central to my life, and priesthood was a new phase in his Christian vocation. 
As a student, he had been a member of the Christian Union. Indeed, it was there that he met Ruth Martin, a mathematics student who became his wife in 1955. He published a book in 1994 called The Faith of a Physicist, which Polkincorn once described as his most substantial and important book. In it, he took the phrases of the Christine Nicene Creed and developed a defence for the rationality of believing them to be true. This was followed up by an autobiography called From Physicist to Priest, which was published in 2007, where he explores how science shaped his ministry as a priest. This was not someone who saw these worlds as separate or in conflict, but both rooted in the graciousness of God. His election as a fellow of the Royal Society was a recognition of the scale of his achievement in physics, and his work had concentrated on the mathematics of quantum theory and the theory of elementary particles. He understood his role as a scientist with Christian faith as a vocation that could make a contribution to the church's theological task. And his key post in the Society of Ordained Scientists and the International Society for Science and Religion and his involvement in the Faraday Institute meant that he's left an important legacy. He argued that critical realism was the way to understand both science and theology, which would push back against the naive realism which often created unnecessary conflict between the two fields. This uncritical naive realism gave what he saw as seductively perfect and final descriptions about a common reality, but closed down the chance for meaningful dialogue. Key to this dialogue was an intellectual humility, noting that one discipline did not have the final word. And more specifically, he articulated the continuities and discontinuities of religion and science in the way in which Science and Theology Explore the World. Using Michael Polyani's concept of tacit skills in the human pursuit of science within his own scientific world of quarks and quantum theory, he challenged the myth that science is only about fact and religion only about faith. However, he was not keen on trying to work out a philosophical framework for the relationships of science and theology, beginning with either the Greek or the Latin fathers. Rather, he preferred beginning with specific insights into the world, such as quantum theory, or chaos, or the Big Bang, the end of the universe, or neuroscience, and bringing these starting points into theological dialogue. A trilogy of books on science and theology expressed the key themes in his thinking. Firstly, in 1986, he published One World, The Interaction of Science and Theology. And this set out an understanding of the nature of science and theology, which led to fruitful dialogue. Secondly, the book Science and Creation, The Search for Understanding, which was published in 1988, explored at more depth a theology of creation. And his third volume, Science and Providence, God's Interaction with the World, 
1989, was perhaps the boldest of the three. Critiquing, critiquing a range of models of providence and arguing for a God at work in the world in the midst of complex, chaotic systems. While his subsequent writing extended into many areas, such as the Trinity and eschatology, it was anchored by the thinking set out in his trilogy. Finally, Polkinghorne advanced the view that both quantum theory at the micro-level and complex chaotic systems such as the weather at the everyday macro-level were inherently unpredictable. This challenged the Newtonian clockwork universe that he felt had influenced Western theology in recent centuries. Sir Isaac Newton, among other leaders in the scientific revolution, including René Descartes, upheld that the physical laws he had uncovered revealed the mechanical perfection of the working of the universe to be akin to a watch, wherein the watchmaker is God. This was an interesting analogy for the 17th century, and it's led had led to teleological arguments for God's existence, or arguments from design. William Paley's analogy of God as watchmaker was particularly popular to explain the intelligent design of the universe in both Christianity and Deism. However, later evidence of biological diversity had led to Charles Darwin's theory of natural selection that forwarded an alternative explanation for complexity and adaptation. This had become effective as a counter-argument to the watchmaker analogy. For example, the evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins referred to the analogy in his book, The Blind Watchmaker, giving his explanation of evolution. However, for Polkinghorne, a physicist, Dawkins was not doing justice to the wider advances in science across various disciplines. For example, a majority of systems in the world are not capable of being fully predicted even if the physical laws were, were known. And this led to a view, according to Polkinghorne, in a world that is both clocks and clouds. For Polkinghorne, this meant that the universe was open, or that the physical process was given a freedom in creation in addition to human freedom. He built on the kenotic theology of Vanston and George Ellis and others. See the podcast of August the 11th. God's action in the world could then be hidden in the openness of complex systems. Apologetics is the technical term that is given to the discipline of defending religious doctrines through systematic argumentation and discourse. And John Polkinghorne was universally seen as one of the most outstanding Christian apologists of our time. Many of his books, reflecting his lectures, successfully spanned popular and academic audiences and he was highly popular, filling lecture theatres out all over the world. Some of these, some of those outside of faith communities came to hear him because of his scientific achievements 
and they stayed because of the authenticity and detail with which he engaged. In 1997, in Britain, he was knighted in recognition to his service to science, religion and contributions to medical ethics on several government task forces and commissions. In addition, he was awarded the lucrative Templeton Prize in 2002. As a physicist who became a priest, he was a personal friend of Sir John Templeton, and the Templeton Foundation acclaimed him as a world-leading and creative thinker, who'd embodied an engagement of science with theology characterised by faithfulness, fruitfulness and humble service. For 11 years at the end of his life, he served as the canon theologian of Liverpool Cathedral and he died in 2021 at the age of 90. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the Nobel Peace Prize and the speech that was given when Mother Teresa was awarded it. This month we have surpassed 10,000 downloads, so thank you to our listeners from all over the world for your interest. And today we say a special thank you to our listeners in Newark, New Jersey and in Singapore. Our archives can be found at www.pogp.net And if you have time, please subscribe, share the podcast with friends. And if you like today's podcast on John Polkinghorne, keep an eye on the website where we're currently working on a faith and science archive. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for today's music and have a lovely day wherever you are. And thanks for listening.